0: The following audio is from Morningstar Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio. For more information about Morningstar, visit MorningstarDayton.org. The other day we were uh, going through the McDonald's drive through and Harrison, my son, if you know Harrison, if you've been around Harrison, you know that his favorite thing in the world to do is eat. <laughs> he... He loves to eat. If you say food, he says yes. Even if it's not an offer, even if it's not something that you were telling him you were going to get him food. If you say like, hey, do we have any food? He'll say, yeah, please. And so, so we get some French fries. I get some French fries. And Harrison's like, fry, 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 fry. But here's the thing. I had given Harrison from McDonald's two cookies because they had already eaten and I hadn't. So Harrison had on his lap two cookies, but he's like, fry, 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 fry. And finally, he's like, son, you have two chocolate chip cookies on your lap. Why are you asking me for a French fry? And he said, cookie. <laughs> like, somehow the fries had stolen his attention from the cookies. Like, He didn't really want fries. He wanted cookies. But somehow, some way, the the fry had completely distracted his attention from the cookie. It's amazing, though, in life, because I think what happens a lot of times is we end up in that same place. We end up focused on our problems. We end up focused on our situation. We end up focused on the things that we don't like. And we completely miss it. Like we completely miss what's really going on. We we get so worked up in ourselves. We get so worked up in our situation that so often we even miss what God is trying to do on us and in us and through us. Because we're so focused on the fry that we can't have that we don't, see the cookie that's sitting in our lap and so this morning I just want to take a look because I think God has a pretty awesome promise for in fact I know God has a pretty awesome promise for us but we miss it most of the time and Paul starts out in Philippians chapter 4 and he's talking to these two ladies right out the gate that that are having an issue as he's wrapping up this, this book. Now understand the church at Philippi was really good to Paul and Paul loved this church. In fact, he was in jail and they had sent him a gift and, and he was just so grateful to them. But he wraps up the book and, he's, and he says some interesting things. Now, let me just tell you, and, and my wife can tell you, and Reese was actually at the house when I was doing this as well. Um, I listen to these Bible names over and over and over, but I mess them up every time I read them, okay? And so some of you who are like, like great Bible scholars or have, have spent a lot of time in God's Word are going to be like, he blew the names. It's not for lack of trying, okay? Like I listen to them and listen to them, but for some reason, they just don't come out right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in in, in in verse 2 of chapter 4, and here's what it says. I urge Eudia and I urge Shinteti, see if that's not right, to agree in the Lord. He says, hey, guys, get along in the Lord. Obviously, Paul knew there was some sort of scuffle between these two women. He didn't really know what they were. He just knew that they were a scuffle. Maybe he knew the details and didn't care to to comment on the details. Maybe he didn't care whose side of the story was right. He just said, agree in the Lord, get along. And then, here's what he says that I find really interesting, because he doesn't end there. And then he said, I ask you also, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel Here's what we're going to do. I can't. All right. How about that? That's not making that ringing noise anymore, but that's better. All right. So, anyway, these two ladies are getting along. He goes back and he says this. Um, Yes, I ask you also, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of the co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Here's what he says to the church. Church, help them get along. We work together for the gospel, so help them get along. Here's what Paul knew. The the things that he was getting ready to share with them, if there was fighting between these two women and, and in the church... It would rob what Paul was getting ready to share. It would rob these people and it would rob the church of what was going on. If they were focused on this fight and they were focused on the differences, it would rob them of what was really, what he was really after. And and as I began to understand the framework of these verses, I, I asked myself this question. When problems arise... Am I a firefighter or a pyromaniac? Okay, here, here's what I mean. We had this dresser, Christine and I had this dresser that we didn't want anymore. We tried to give it away and nobody wanted the dresser. So I had an idea. Because Rumke said, we'll pick it up for $50. And I said, no, that's not happening. So I, threw, I literally pushed it out the back door of our house in Colrain, and I pulled all the drawers out and I lit it on fire. <laughs> okay? I waited till it was night because it had paint on it and yeah, I know it's not good for the environment but $50 wasn't good for my bank account. So I burnt the dresser. And yeah, right? And then so, so Christine had come home and I guess her and the, the kids were somewhere and she came home and she said, hey, when I pulled in, those flames are over the top of our house. Like we lived in a neighborhood. she's like, those are really tall, tall flames. She's like, you need to put that out. And I said, no, I got to get those drawers on there and burn this thing faster. And so she had this idea, let's put out the fire. And I had this idea, no, let's burn this down faster so that the fire department doesn't show up because they can see my house. Um, And and, and, and I think what happens a lot of times when problems arise, whether it's in churches, whether it's in homes, whether it's at work, sometimes Christians can be the worst pyromaniacs around. Like we're not going to these two people and saying, let's, let's agree, maybe agree to disagree, but let's get along in the Lord. And so before we can even get to the meat of what Paul is after. I just want you to ask this question of yourself. When problems arise, when difficulties arise, when disagreements arise, are you a firefighter? Are you a pyro? Are you somebody who's trying to say, let's figure out how to get along? We don't have to agree on everything, but we can understand for the sake of the gospel, the good news that we can get along. Which are you? And so Paul says to them, get along. Church, help them get along because we served together for the sake of the gospel. And then he he continues on, because Paul knew that it was a bad witness and it would suffocate the peace and joy in the church and in the individual. And he goes on in verse four, And here's what he says. After we get past this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So Paul, who let me tell you right now, he's in prison, says to the church, rejoice in the Lord always. And you're like, Paul, You don't understand my situation. Paul's outside of the situation. He's like, listen, I'm not talking about your situation. I'm saying no matter what the situation is, rejoice in the Lord. That means be glad in the Lord always. And just in case you've got an argument, I'm going to say it again. Be glad. So he says, first get this fighting and stuff out of the way. It has, no, it has no place here. And then he says, be glad in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again, be glad. And then he anticipates that people are going to, you know, start to have some pushback. So he continues in. and Here's what he says in verse 5. He says this, let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. And now your Bible, there's, there's three different words that you might see here, but they're all kind of the same thing. Your Bible might say reasonableness, or it may say moderation. But it's really all the same. It's really all the same thing. Paul's saying be glad and gracious in your situation. It's easy when the situation and the circumstance gets out of hand to take your emotions and put them in the driver's seat. And let them drive. And we spiral and we spiral and we spiral. And then things are good and we go up and up and up. And Paul's like, no, let your graciousness be known to everybody. Like, have you ever met somebody that's just like going through it? They're just going through it. And you just talk to them like, hey, how are you doing? And like, not, they're not giving you like the church line, right? They're not like, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. You know, they're not just like hitting you with that. But they're just saying, like, honestly, like, I'm just trusting the Lord. It's difficult. But I can't allow this situation to destroy me. And you're like, what's different about that person? Well, they understand this. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. So, like, I don't know what you came in here going through. And I don't know, maybe your emotions have become so overwhelming that like you're on a spiral let me just encourage you to stop and recognize that the Lord is near and so often we get like pulled away because this this word Lord has just become another way for us to say God but understand the word that's being used here is not just like God is near that's not what it's saying it's saying the Lord for a reason Here's what Paul is saying. The supreme authority is here. The one who's in charge of it all is near. The maker of heaven and earth is near. The ruler is here. We can choose to be reasonable, to be gracious, to have moderation, because our God, the supreme ruler in authority, is near. I'm not saying that the circumstance isn't difficult. I, I, underst- I understand difficult circumstance. But the one who holds the circumstance is near. And so we can be gracious, we can be reasonable. And all of that, I'm going to pull this out because I'm going to need a a clock. Um, And I can't see that when there's a glare on it. I don't know what's going on. Um, All of that is like a lot. But Paul's like just getting started. He continues on. And he says this. One of the hardest verses for me in all of the Bible is this one. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious for anything man don't don't sometimes you're just like when when you hear people say that, read that verse, or you hear Paul say that, you're just like, "Dude, you're delusional, like I mean seriously, don't you sometimes you're just like, what?" but I think what happens is we're focused we're focused on the circumstance, right? And so we're like, you're delusional. Look at my circumstance. And Paul's like, I can't see your circumstance because that's not what I'm focused on. Like, I get that the circumstance is difficult. And Paul talked about going through difficult times and difficult circumstance. And take it from somebody who has, has wrestled over the last few years, anxiety. I've wrestled depression. and And, and honestly, like, Got to the point I had to see a medical professional. So like I'm not the guy that's like if you are dealing with anxiety and depression, just pray it through. That's not what I'm saying. Like there's a real sickness to be dealt with there. It's a whole other topic. But but Paul's saying don't let your focus, don't let your, your focus be controlled by your circumstance. Don't worry about anything, is to say this. To dwell on the problems and allow them to cripple you. Don't do that. And here's what he says to do instead. Here's what he says to do instead. He said, don't worry about anything. But in everything, so in every situation, the highs, the lows, through prayer, talking to God, and petition. And a lot of times we're like, that sounds like prayer all over again and petition is just begging for something humbly, but with intense conviction. It's intense. Like you ever been just praying and you're, you're not just talking to God, you're begging him. So he's like, listen, you you may feel that circumstance really strong. You may feel that circumstance really strong. I understand that. So take it to God with prayer and with petition, all that passion, all that emotion, bring it to the Lord. It matters to him, he, he cares, he wants to hear it. And then he says this, with thanksgiving, it says with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So what can we be thankful for in these situations? That I can present my request to the supreme God of the universe who can do something about it. So we're grateful to God for who he is, and we take our circumstance to him because of who he is, and we're grateful that we could do so. So instead of worrying, we can do something about it. For example, I thought about this one. How many of of you in here would say, I'm worried about the state of our country? Anybody? Like, I'm worried about our country. I, get, I just said, don't worry. I'm concerned about the state of our country. I got people like, I'm not going to let them get me on this one. This is not a trick. This is not a trick. You know what I see a lot of Christians doing on, on and it's a natural response. We hear all this negative about Christianity and our country, and so what we do, we run to our phones and we let them know and we share, it. you know, if you love Jesus, share this post. Um, you know, we, we do that. You know, it's like, like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not into that. We're so, like, we're going to heal this country. We're going to fix this country through our social media posts. Like, so I don't believe that. Well, like, some of y'all's timelines tell me that you might. And I'm not saying it's bad to post about things that you're concerned about. But I just wonder, like if we spent as much effort on our social media, that much effort that we spent on our social media, if we spent that much effort on our knees, begging and pleading with God, which would be more effective? And Here's what's interesting, like we don't even have to guess because 2 Chronicles chapter 7 In verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Here's what I'm saying. like We get so concerned about things like our country that we post and we craft these amazing posts about this political stuff and we get so concerned about these things that we, we run and, it, and we tell people about it. And we talk and we talk and we talk, and we talk bad about people, we talk bad about stuff. We, and it ends up causing fights. When instead we could take it to the Lord who could do something about it. And we might find out through the process that when we humble ourselves and go before the Lord, there's some things in us that need to change. You know, sometimes my circumstance is a mess because I'm stubborn and hard-headed. And something interesting happens when I humble myself and I get before the Lord and I say, Lord, here's my circumstance. It's an absolute disaster. And the Lord's like, because you're you're being an idiot. The problem is not, the other person, the problem is you. The problem is not the situation. The problem is you. And sometimes we just walk through hard things, right? And it's not like against somebody. But when we bring it before the Lord, the Lord changes our perspective on things. But here is the crux of what Paul is after. And here's why he's telling us all of these things. Here's why he says, be glad in the Lord always. Here's why he says, don't worry. Instead, take it before God and be thankful. That, you said that all sounds like a weird way to handle things. Well, it's not normal because the result that Paul's after is not a normal result. Here's what he says. Verse 7. Do those things, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So you're walking through all this difficult stuff, and we're glad in the Lord, and we rejoice in the Lord, and we don't worry, we take our stuff to to God. And what do we experience? The peace of God that's beyond all understanding. So an abnormal approach for an abnormal result the peace of God that passes all understanding, what does it do? It guards our hearts and our minds. It guards where the seat of our emotional and spiritual self is, our heart, our passions, and our mind, our decision-making process. All of a sudden, because we've taken it to the Lord, because we've rejoiced in him, not we don't feel it anymore, but it doesn't put our emotions in the driver's seat anymore. It, it guards our decision-making process, and we can walk through these difficult times clearly with a right focus on the Lord. The idea is not this, that focusing on Jesus is going to fix all of your problems. The idea is that when you focus on Jesus, you realize the same God that stepped into your impossible situation and made it all right. Can step into what seems to be an unattainable situation and make that right too. And maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. And This is what I'm talking about. There was a time where the Bible says that, that you and I were on an absolute rocket path to separation from God forever and hell forever. But Jesus stepped into that brokenness, an impossible circumstance. There was nothing that you could do. There was nothing that I could do to make it right. And Jesus stepped in And made it right. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And we call on his name and we're saved. And then we walk through difficult circumstances in life thinking, who could ever help me with this circumstance? And the reality is, it's the same God that helped you with the most impossible circumstance that you could ever face in life. So what am I supposed to do? It's funny, it's the same thing, call on his name. Allow him to step into your circumstance and save you. And I'm not talking about your salvation, like being saved, what I'm talking about is change your focus. To show you that it's it's not all about what you're going through, it's all about him. What you're going through is all about him. It's all that he would be glorified in the end and yes, it's difficult, and yes, it's hard. And Paul knew that. Paul wasn't like gonna leave you there. So he gave some really practical and important steps to understand as we walk through these difficult circumstances and difficult situations in life. And this is what he says. Finally, brother and sister, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Here's what he says. As you're walking through these hard and difficult times, look for things that are true. It's not how you feel, it's what you know to be true. So often what we feel trumps what we know to be true. Possibly when you're walking through hard things, Focus on what is true. Focus on what is honorable, things that are morally good. Focus on the things that are fair. There are so many things in life that just aren't fair. So focus on the just things, like how Jesus came when in my circumstance when it was impossible, and He saved me. If that's the only thing there is to focus on, man, it's more than enough. Focus on things that are pure. You know, so often when we're walking through hard times and difficult circumstances, we turn to everything that is not pure, that is not clean, to numb the pain that we feel. Paul said that's what people do, but that's not the right response. Focus on what's, on what's pure. Focus on what's lovely, what's lovable. Focus on things that are commendable. I find this one so interesting because like the church in America is so bad at this. Man, we walk through the doors of any place, whether it's a church, somebody else's house, and the last thing we're looking for is what is commendable. The last thing we're looking for is what can I speak of good that this person is doing? What can I speak of good that, is is happening here, we look for what can I criticize first because it makes me feel better to know this person might be doing worse than I am. It's easier for me to put down somebody, it's easier for me to put down the church than to deal with the messages that are being preached from the pulpit. That's easier. So we don't focus on what is commendable. We don't focus on the things we can speak good of. We focus on the things we can speak negative of because to point out other people's ugly makes me feel better. And then he says this, if there's things that are morally good or praiseworthy, dwell on those things. He says, find the good stuff and dwell on those things. Imagine how different your life and interactions would be if you were approaching them with that attitude, not that you don't see or don't feel the things that are difficult or hard or bad, but if they weren't the things that you dwelled on, if the things that you dwell on are the things that are good and worthy of praise, those are the things that you rest your mind on, how different would your attitude towards life be? How different would your attitude towards your job be? How much more generous would you be to other people? Maybe how different would your attitude be towards the church and the people that are in it? If you were trying to focus and dwell on the things that were commendable, the things that were lovely and honorable and pure and just and true, imagine how different life would be. Then Paul says this, he wraps up this, this thought with this. He says, do what you have learned and receive and heard of me. He says this, I taught you God's word the best I knew how and so, so do it, be obedient. And the peace of God will be with you. And so maybe you just could use some peace in your life. Maybe things feel chaotic. Maybe things feel difficult. Maybe you are walking through a hell-on-earth type of situation right now. Let me encourage you to fix your focus. Turn to Jesus. Maybe you need to turn to Jesus for the very first time. Maybe your life is characterized by brokenness because you've never trusted Jesus. You've never trusted him. You don't know him as your savior. Maybe that's you this morning. You can't do anything until you've done that. So maybe you need to turn to him for the first time. Maybe you need a renewed focus on him, getting in his word and talking to him. Maybe you just need to learn to start dwelling on the things that are good and right and just Maybe you're like these two women and there's like an issue between you and somebody else and you're just not going to agree. But you need to go and you need to say, listen, for the sake of the gospel, I love you. I understand we're not going to agree on this point. But my life's about Jesus, your life's about Jesus, and let's move forward. Maybe you need to fix something with somebody. So fix your focus and then... Cast your cares. Take your burdens, your struggles, your conflict to Jesus and pray and plead. Passionately speak to the God of the universe about what's going on. Maybe in just a few minutes, when we have our response time, you need to come down to to an altar like an old fashioned style altar that we we still offer here and you need to get on your knees before god and you need to pray and plead about a situation or a circumstance in your life or maybe you need to get on your knees before god and renew your focus but then this be obedient Do the things that you know to do that are right, no matter the circumstance. I've got one student that was one of my very first students in youth ministry. And uh, they still reach out to me every once in a while. And they have a, a little bit of an anger problem. And I'm not telling you something about them that they haven't identified about themselves. And they'll tell me about a circumstance and they'll say, you know, she said this and then I said this. Well, why'd you say that? Well, because she said that. And her least favorite thing for me to say is don't let your circumstance dictate your behavior. So often, we aren't obedient because we think our circumstance gives us the ability to not be obedient. But Paul said, you want peace in your life? Do what the word of God says. Don't walk your way. Do it his way, but it just seems like it would be so much easier if I did it. Yeah, I get that, but it's not. Peace is only found when you do it God's way. If you'd bow your head and close your eyes, our our band would come forward. We're gonna have a, a time of response. We're gonna have a time of response. And here's some things I want you to think through. Here's some things I want you to think about as it comes to responding, as it comes to responding to, to the message of this morning. Is one, like, are you just going through it? Are you just going through a time that you you just need to pray? Maybe you need to grab some of your friends and say, "I need I need to pray, and I need you to pray with me. Maybe you've got, a problem with somebody that is just causing your life, total chaos, maybe they don't even know it. Like you're just so mad at somebody that inside you're just burning up. You are so focused on this fight, this problem that you are not even concerned about what God is doing in your life. Whatever it is, cast your cares before him this morning. Take it to Jesus. But maybe you need to fix your focus. Maybe you are so focused on everything that is wrong that you don't even see what's going on that is right. You're not focused on Him. You're focused on you and your circumstance. And you need to come and repent. That literally means to turn around, quit focusing on what you're focusing and focus on something else to turn, to repent. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe for the first time ever, you need to turn to Jesus and trust him as your savior. I don't know where this morning's message finds you, but I know for me, it's a difficult one because it's so easy to allow my circumstance to completely uproot and dictate my entire life. So let me encourage you church in this time And in this place, after we pray, I'm gonna ask you to stand and sing, but don't hesitate to move and allow the Lord to deal with you and allow the Lord to move in your heart. Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you for your word, Lord, we come before you with thanksgiving, for you are good and you are just and you are worthy and you are holy. You are honorable and lovely. So, Lord, we focus on you this morning. And, Lord, for the one that's here that is going through just the worst kind of stuff. Lord, and I know that there are some that are here. I know their circumstance. But, Lord, I know there are some that are here that I don't know their circumstance, and they're just walking through it. Lord, whatever it is, help them to bring it to you. Help their family of faith to gather around them. And Lord, for the one that's here that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, I ask that this morning would be the day that they turn to you and they look to you as the only answer for their brokenness. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You can stand here. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have any questions about Morningstar Baptist Church or today's message, visit MorningstarDayton.org and choose Contact Us.